0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge of Wharton.
1: Early on Saturday morning, the United States Senate passed its version of the GOP tax plan by a 51-49 vote with Bob Corker of Tennessee as the only Republican no vote. Now the combined Congress must meet to come up with a final version of the bill and send it to the White House for the signature of President Trump. Yet there are still many concerns about what is in each of these bills and what the impact will be on the consumer. To delve into that, we welcome in Alan Auerbach, who is a professor of economics and law at the University of California at Berkeley. He's also director of the Center on Tax Policy and Public Finance there. He joins us by phone, as does Daniel Hemmel, who is Associate Professor of Law at the University of Chicago. Alan, Dan, great to have you with us today. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Uh, first, I guess, Alan, uh, let's – I think for people that are trying to really understand this process, what is reconciliation and what will actually happen during this process?
2: The reconciliation process is one where the – leaders of the tax writing committees in the house and the senate get together and try to iron out the differences in the provisions that were in the bills passed by the house and the senate recently and they then have to come up with a single document uh, which is then voted on again by the house and the senate and uh, assuming the house and the senate then both past the revised document, it goes to the president for signature.
1: And what kind of a time frame are we looking at that they need to get this done, I guess to a degree, a few days because of the, the potential concern of a government shutdown? <laughs>
2: well, yeah, th- I mean, this is running on a separate track from the government shutdown. Okay. Assuming the government is still in business, they're talking about trying to do it before, uh, before the holidays, before the end of the year.
1: Uh, Dan, wh- where do you focus within the bills themselves, whether it be on the House side or the Senate side?
0: Well, the Senate's going to have the upper hand in the conference committee process. So what we're about to see, the conference committee, happens anytime there's a difference between legislation that passes in the House and legislation that passes in the Senate. But because this went through reconciliation, which is a special process for budget bills, it's subject to a bunch of Senate-specific rules. One of those rules uh, is called the Byrd Rule, and that means that everything in the bill needs to be revenue-related. Uh, And it can't increase the deficit outside of the 10-year window. The House plan didn't comply with the Byrd rule, so it wouldn't have been able to pass the Senate. And the Byrd rule is still going to apply to the resolution that comes out of the conference committee. Uh, so the Senate pl- if the Senate plan just yielded, uh, if the Senate just yielded to the House, uh, then the Senate wouldn't be able to pass the combined document. Uh, so I'd, I'd look to see more of the Senate provisions rather than the House provisions make it through.
1: Alan?
2: Oh, yeah, that's exactly right. The The Senate... Uh, bill has a number of provisions that expire uh, at the end of the 10 year period uh, in, in order to conform to the bird rule. indeed, this was true uh, with the bush tax cuts in 2001 for the same reason uh, and some people may remember that uh, during the Obama administration there were negotiations between President Obama and the Republicans in Congress over extending the bush tax cuts. The reason that Uh, Negotiation had to occur was that the original Bush tax cuts had expired after ten years to conform to the Senate budget rules.
1: Dan, seemingly a lot of the the articles that have been written over the weekend about uh, this uh, reconciliation moving forward really focus on uh, not only the impact on the consumer in general, but they really focus on schools and colleges and some of the potential impacts we could see there.
0: Yes, so the. deepest cuts to support for uh, education were in the House bill uh, and not in the Senate bill there was a lot of talk about the taxation of tuition waivers uh, and that and the end of the student loan uh, as student loan interest deduction um, that's in the House bill and because I think that the final version is going to look a lot like the Senate bill mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's going to make it through there's also been a lot of blowback uh, politically on those particular provisions and it's not even clear that, uh, what, uh, that the outcome was what the drafters intended. But there are still reasons why this is going to matter for education. Uh, one of those reasons is there's a new, in, in both bills, 1.4% tax on the investment income of university endowments. Now, it's only large universities, uh, but th- this will affect the University of Chicago and the University of Pennsylvania. Um, second, uh, while the bill retains the charitable contribution deduction, Uh, a very small portion of the population will be itemizing their deductions under either the House bill or the Senate bill. So right now, about a third of the population has a tax incentive to give to charity, that's going to uh, drop to the single-digit numbers. And private universities are charities, so they care about the fate of the charitable contribution deduction. Finally, the repeal of the estate tax under the House plan uh, and the cuts to the estate tax between now and the end of 2025 under the Senate plan mean that there will be fewer people who are leaving their estates to universities uh, and other schools, because now they have the option of leaving them to uh, their children estate tax-free.
1: Alan, what are you focused on within within these two potential plans?
2: Well, I think there are uh, many other uh, sectors of the economy that are going to be impacted. Uh, A lot of uh, attention was also paid to the real estate industry, uh, in in particular uh, owner-occupied housing. Uh, First of all, because of the decline in itemization, uh, because some of the benefits associated with housing come from taking tax deductions. And if people... Uh, are taking a standard deduction. They're not getting any additional deduction for their property taxes or interest uh, deductions uh, uh, as they would be now. Uh, in addition, there's going to be a cap on the property tax deduction in both uh, Senate and House bills of $10,000, which, depending on the size of the House and the level of taxes uh, in the state where you reside, uh, may uh, represent a big cut in the taxes that you can deduct, that's over and above the elimination of the deduction of uh, state and local income taxes that both bills have, which is uh, going to be felt very much in uh, states with higher uh, income taxes.
1: And a couple of those uh, potentially being states like New York, New Jersey, uh, here in our region uh, that, are, that have already uh, talked about a great deal in the last uh, several weeks about the potential of this, uh, of this happening, Alan.
2: That's right. There were in in the House of Representatives, there were some members uh, from California, New, New, New York, and New Jersey, who uh, who Republican members who voted against the bill uh, because of that. Uh, they didn't have an impact uh, on the final outcome. And the Senate, because people represent states rather than uh, localities, and because there aren't Republican senators from those uh, high tech states like New York, New Jersey, California. Uh, there were uh, no losses of Republican votes in the Senate because of that.
1: Daniel, one of the other things, which obviously a lot of people have talked about, is is the potential repeal of the individual mandate on the ACA and and the impact that will potentially have. Numbers have been thrown out there. 10 to 13 million uh, extra people will not have health insurance uh, in in the next several years uh, where that is concerned. Uh, How important a piece to this is, is that for you?
0: It's a hugely important piece. So not only are we seeing a tax overhaul, but we're seeing an overhaul of our health care system. Uh, and I think it's quite likely that the individual mandate repeal will make it into the final version. It's not in the House version. It is in the Senate version. The reason why it was added to the Senate version is that repealing the individual mandate actually saves money. Uh, this is It saves money for the federal government. This is surprising because uh, We used to have a penalty that people would pay to the federal government, and now, now we don't. Mm -hmm. How does that lead to the federal government having more money rather than less money? And the answer is uh, because premiums are going to go up, people are going to drop health insurance, and the federal government subsidizes a lot of health insurance. So if it doesn't have to subsidize health insurance for the people who have dropped out anymore, uh, then um, then it's spending less. Those cost savings are then used to offset the long-term impact of the huge corporate tax cut in the bill. Uh, so, basically, we are taking away health insurance for 10 to 13 million people and using the savings from that in order to give a 15% tax cut to corporations.
1: Do you think that the uh, the start date on the corporate tax, uh, uh, the tax rate cut for corporations, uh, will follow the Senate uh, version and, and delay it to 2019?
0: Um I think that will ultimately come down to uh, whether the conference can keep the bill below the 1.5 trillion dollar threshold for the next 10 years. So the conference can lose uh, 1. 4, the Congress can lose 1.5 trillion dollars over the next 10 years, and then nothing after that. Right. Uh, and if they can do that with a with a with a 2018 start to the corporate tax cut, then great.
1: We're talking with Daniel Hamel of the University of Chicago, Alan Auerbach of the University of California at Berkeley. Your comments about the GOP tax plan are welcome. You can join us by phone at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. To both of you, and I'll start with Alan, a lot of the estimations uh, uh, in terms of the loss and the adding to the deficit have it slightly higher than than that $1.5 trillion benchmark over the next 10 years, Alan. Here, the, uh, the Wharton budget model put it at about $1.75 trillion. So with that kind of in mind, uh, what are you looking for? What are the concerns you have of this moving forward, especially when we're talking about all of the different pieces that are, that are kind of in play here?
2: Well, they, they, there's been a lot uh, of discussion about what the deficit effects would be. Uh, some of the differences just come from whether the additional interest on the uh, accumulating national debt is added to the uh, direct revenue cost. Uh, another difference has to do with whether uh, dynamic feedback effects, so-called dynamic scoring, is is uh, incorporated. Uh, there's actually very little dispute among economists, even though senators don't seem to recognize this, uh, that this will substantially lead to uh, higher national debt uh, over the ten-year budget period that very may, that may very well understate the impact because a lot of these temporary provisions uh, the the uh senators and the people in the house have, have acknowledged aren't intended to be temporary uh for example there's a provision in both bills for uh, allowing businesses to write off their investments immediately yeah. so called investment expensing but only for 5 years and that's not a sensible uh, way to run a tax system and they acknowledge that and they don't really want it to be temporary so if you if you uh, make a lot of these prov- uh, view a lot of these provisions as being intended to be permanent. the deficit effects are far higher than uh, in, uh, as is, has been estimated for the bills themselves. Uh, this is going to have an impact on the economy directly in terms of uh, interest rates, uh, availability of funds for business investment. It's also likely to have implications for monetary policy and the uh, 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 p- uh, people who are involved in uh, conducting monetary policy uh, have already suggested that the uh, the rate at which uh, the federal funds rate is increased by the Fed over the next couple of years is likely to change as a result of the passage of the legislation
0: Daniel uh, so on the numbers ultimately the the Numbers that matter um, for purposes of the Bird Rule in the Senate are the numbers that Senator Mike Enzi chooses. Senator Mike Enzi from Wyoming is the chairman of the Budget Committee. Mm -hmm. And in the reconciliation process, he ultimately makes the call on whether this increases the deficit outside the window, whether it increases the deficit by more than $1.5 trillion inside the window. Right now, uh, the Joint Committee on Taxation's numbers suggest that it's 1.4 trillion dollars more or less if you use uh, static scoring, closer to 1 trillion if you use dynamic scoring. Uh, and traditionally, the Budget Committee Chair defers to uh, the Senate Budget Commit- uh, 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 defers to the Joint Committee on Taxation. So in that respect, uh, the the Penn Warden model might be right, but yep. I doubt it's what Mike Enzi is going to follow. One other piece to this is there's a big though subtle change from using a fixed-weight measure of inflation to uh, something called chained CPI, uh, a chained measure of inflation, Mm -hmm. uh, that takes into account uh, uh, consumers' changes in their consumption patterns when they substitute from uh, higher-priced goods to cheaper goods. Uh, Practically, what this means is the inflation measures used in the tax code will go up slower. People's deductions will go up more slowly. Uh, The tax bracket thresholds will rise more slowly. This will have a huge impact, especially on lower- and middle-income households that are claiming the standard deduction. How much we save depends upon how much inflation uh, uh, would be uh, if measured under fixed weight or chained. And that, obviously, uh, no one knows with with 100% certainty. When you look, Alan, at at some of the the basic
1: potential changes, and when we talk uh, about the individual taxpayer at this point, whether it be the tax rates or the child tax credit or uh, the medical expense deduction, uh, the education uh, deductions, where are the ones that that the consumer should really look at, really the closest moving forward? Well,
2: I think the biggest changes are of course, it depends on where you are in the income distribution, but if, if you're currently an upper middle or upper middle income uh, taxpayer itemizing uh, your deductions, the uh, biggest change is going to be the elimination of the state and local ta- uh, income tax deduction and the capping of the property tax deduction. That for many households that's going to be a big deal. Uh, cutting against that, uh, for many people who live in high tax states, is the elimination of the alternative minimum tax, yeah. which will help. Uh, there are also adjustments in the tax brackets that people face. Uh, but a way of uh, sort of stepping back and thinking about what this tax bill represents is: it's a tax bill that doesn't really provide uh, households with a tax cut. It provides some households with tax cuts, other households with tax increases. The the tax cut is going for corporations and pass so-called pass-through businesses. That's where the big action is in terms of uh, reductions in taxes. So it's really a deficit finance business tax cut with uh, tax cuts and tax increases uh, on the individual side,
1: but seemingly the 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 uh, the the language coming out of Washington and at least potentially the White House has been uh, how uh, you know millions of people are going to be saving lots of money because of this uh, of this potential tax plan. Yeah, you, I, I, I think that's I
0: think that goes in the category of alternative facts.
1: Right, exactly. That's what I wanted to get uh, get to,
0: Daniel. Your reaction. Um. I agree with Alan that this is not a big tax break for lower and middle-income households. Though I think under most projections, uh, over the at least of, over the next couple of years, lower and middle-income households will see their tax bills go down qu- quite moderately. Um, uh, the increase in the child tax credit will help them and will more than offset the repeal of personal exemptions for people in the bottom brackets. This isn't good if you are uh, living in New York or New Jersey or Illinois or California and are in an upper-middle uh, income or high-income household. Uh, over over the long term, um, people will be paying more in taxes because of this change in the inflation measure, but they might not realize uh, that that's what's going on. It's a very Uh, It's a very subtle way uh, Mm -hmm. to increase people's taxes. So I think Alan is completely right. What we have here is, uh, in the long term, an increase in the deficit used to uh, fund uh, corporate tax cuts with an increase on households in the long run, but that increase in the ha- in households on the long run, uh, the Senate's really managed to cover its tracks. People aren't going to see in 2027 or 2028 uh, that their tax bills are higher because of the use of change rather than fixed-weight CPI.
1: You mentioned Alan the, uh, the the mortgage interest deduction, which obviously for a lot of uh, of homeowners uh, can play a, an integral role. Uh, go back to that for a second, if you wouldn't mind, and just break down how this is going to impact a lot of new new home purchases.
2: Well, there, there's two issues. One is the cap on the deductible interest. Uh, there's a provision in the House bill that lowers the ceiling on deductible interest payments to $500,000 uh, borrowing. Uh, it's currently a million, and the Senate bill keeps it there. Uh, if If the Senate bill is the one that prevails in reconciliation, then there'll be no direct change in the mortgage interest deduction. Uh, however two things that will uh, influence people's decisions to to buy houses or how much housing to buy are first that there're going to be uh, many people currently uh, itemizing who because of the increased uh, deduction uh, threshold for the standard deduction will be uh, switching uh, from itemizing to taking the standard deduction and for those people they won't see any additional benefit from interest deductions if they uh, buy a house because they'll still be taking the standard deduction and so their incentive to buy housing is reduced. In addition, to the extent that they're buying houses that uh, uh have property taxes above $10,000, even if they're itemizing, they're going to get lower uh, uh lower deductions uh because of that cap. Uh, this is not only going to affect buyers, of course it's going to affect uh, the the prices yeah. of housing. Yeah. And uh, to the extent that uh the the uh, de- 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 decline in incentives to purchase housing uh, feed through to prices, some of the effect won't be felt by uh, potential buyers, but by current homeowners.
1: Daniel, I'll let you play off of that as well. Just the, the impact that we're going to see on the real estate industry uh, because of this.
0: So, the National Association of Realtors and the Nas- National Association of Home Builders have both come out against this. Uh, I initially thought when that happened, that was uh, death for the bill. I thought that the real estate lobby would be powerful enough to stop this from happening. Uh, I turned out to be wrong on that. I would say from a practical perspective, uh, if you are a homeowner with uh, a low six-figure salary uh, and the ability to pay down your mortgage faster, uh, this is probably a good time to do that. Um, It will depend upon basically uh, what your charitable contributions are. But it it might be the case, uh, and I think it will be the case for lots of people, that by paying down uh, their mortgage faster, they can uh, more quickly get to the point where they are claiming the new $24,000 standard deduction for, uh, for married couples.
1: 844 Wharton is the number to give us a call. 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Daniel, one of the other interesting things that, uh, and it's not a surprise, I think, to a lot of people listening to us, was all the wheeling and dealing going on uh, late last week to be able to try and kind of get this Senate version to to the finish line. Uh, Jeff Flake, uh, Lisa Murkowski, a a lot of senators were really trying to do some deals to be able to get some things on the side, to be able to give their stamp and get this, uh, get this approved.
0: Yeah, though they didn't ultimately extract all that much. Um, uh, some senators, Steve Daines and uh, Ron Johnson uh, in particular, were able to get uh, an increase in the deduction for pass-through businesses. Um, that was, I think, one of the biggest uh, changes to the bill at the very end. Uh, but there were other senators who didn't get what they wanted. Um, Senator Marco Rubio and Mike Lee insisted upon an increase to the child tax credit uh, uh, larger than what was in the Senate bill. Those two votes could have blocked the Senate bill from uh, from passing. So I was, I was surprised by uh, the number of Republicans uh, who had a lot of power over the bill, who ended up deciding not to use that power and to let Mitch McConnell get a significant legislative achievement.
1: Did, did it surprise you that that Bob
0: Corker was the only uh, Republican to say no? Um, Bob Corker has spoken uh, about his concerns about the deficit for some time. Um right. So uh, I think if you are a serious deficit hawk, or even if you're not a deficit hawk, but have some concern about imposing a huge liability on future generations, uh, you would be quite reluctant to vote for this bill. So I was surprised less by the fact that Bob Corker voted against it and more by the fact that so many people who had been claiming to be deficit hawks up until now uh, turned out to be deficit doves. Alan, any surprise on the voting for you?
2: Well, I I agree. I I think the... uh The concern about the deficit uh, is, uh, I mean, that's been a big issue for Republicans over the years. And uh, they had indicated that they wanted to uh, take account of dynamic scoring, dynamic feedback effects. Uh, Last week, the Joint Committee on Taxation staff provided uh, such dynamic scoring and showed that there was still very large deficit effects, Uh, so the fact that the Senate essentially ignored that. Uh, analysis indicates that the concerns about the deficit were really concerns about deficits produced by Democrats, not concern about deficits overall.
1: We talked recently, Alan, about uh, about the issues surrounding tuition waivers, especially with with grad students. Uh, what are we looking there potentially uh, moving forward with the, with these bills?
2: Well, I agree with uh, uh, that. In the reconciliation process, uh, the Senate has the upper edge and that provision's not in the Senate bill this is an example of one of those provisions where the revenue effects aren't that big and right. you look at it and you say why is that in there and you have to uh, uh think that there's at least some address, uh... aimed at university campuses and uh I, I, you know my sense is that they're going to decide it's not worth uh, uh that kind of uh uh anger angering of a constituency for really very little revenue and I think that provision will probably go away, so
1: then probably just as similar the, uh, the the concerns that surrounded a lot of of teachers across America about losing the ability to deduct for supplies that they use that they use in their schools every day, which the school may not provide yeah
2: I mean you know you can you can cut you, there are a lot of these provisions where you say here's a tax benefit that people are getting because they're they have income they're not paying tax on it or they're getting to deduct one purchase, other people aren't getting to deduct other purchases a- and uh you know, in one sense, it may it, it, it's reasonable to say we shouldn't getting, be getting all these deductions; these are tax loopholes. But to single out specific ones like this, which are not the, the where the where the big revenue is, uh, and to leave a lot of the other big uh, uh, tax loopholes in place, suggests there's something more than. Simply trying to reform the tax
1: system involved. I, I don't, if you would like to, to take this uh, question, I, w- I would love to get your response to it, both of you. Daniel, I'll start with you. If you could put your th- that crystal ball in front of you and you could uh, you could affect this these bills uh, one way or another in a couple of ways, what would you look at specifically? Uh, if I is this is this a prediction or do I
0: actually get to change you something would, about the bill? It would be in your control. Um, well, I wouldn't want the bills uh, to pass. Uh, right. OK. But, right. Um, it, uh, what, what I would definitely do is um, I would uh, uh, have a smaller corporate tax cut um, and a smaller uh, or get rid of the the extraordinarily complicated provisions uh, about pass-throughs, which are only necessary really because of the huge size of the corporate tax cut. And if the Republicans are still committed to uh, busting the deficit, I'd at least use those savings uh, to deliver relief to lower and middle income families with a larger child tax credit.
2: Alan? Honestly, I think the differences between the Senate and the House bills uh, are quite minor relative to the differences between those bills and what a good tax uh reform might have looked like. So, uh for obviously for specific provisions like the, what the tuition waiver we were just talking about, yep. it obviously affected groups are very much uh it, 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 the effects on them differ very much according to which provision is adopted. But I think in the big picture these bills share uh their their important characteristics in common. So I I don't really think the, the big-picture effect uh, of the legislation uh, is going to be affected that much by whether they rely on Senate or House provisions.
1: Do you think we're going to be revisiting this uh, this issue uh, of making you know, the right changes uh, necessary, Alan, uh, obviously in the next several years?
2: Oh, I think we have to. For one thing, they've, yeah. built, they've built in all these temporary provisions, so they're, they're going to have to revisit it because yeah. nobody thinks having all those provisions explode makes sense uh the question is uh, whether we wait until they explode whether we try to revisit them earlier uh you know one lesson comes from what happened after the Reagan tax cuts of 1981 it took them exactly 1 year to uh revise the 81 tax bill uh, there was a tax increase passed in 1982 there was another one passed in 1984 uh that of course was a different era than the current one Um, But it's quite possible that we'll be back next year or the year after, depending on the congressional elections next year, uh, uh, reconsidering some of the provisions of this bill.
0: Dan? Uh, I agree. If we remember the fiscal cliff from the end of 2012, uh, this creates a fiscal Niagara Falls at the end of 2025. Uh, So we'll definitely have to address Uh, key pieces of the legislation then. I would think that if Democrats regain control of both houses of Congress uh, and the presidency in 2020, uh, then we'll see changes a lot sooner than 2025. We'd see changes early in 2021.
1: Great having you both with us. Thank you, Alan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Alan Auerbach of the University of California, Berkeley. Daniel Hemmel from the University of Chicago.
0: For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.